In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues today, with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Ladies, Motherhood Talk Radio is here to give you a powerful platform by giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio has interviews with best-selling authors, gurus of happiness, and women of interest who every single day make our world a better place for our families. Motherhood Talk Radio, powered by Motherhood Incorporated, is on the air now. Moms, this really is your show. Motherhood Talk Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with my co-host, Christy Holly. Hey, Christy, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. Going pretty good. Did you have a good weekend? I did. And? And... Well, we went to Laughlin this weekend with um, I went with my family and uh, my husband's cousins and their families, and and it was it was a lot of fun. It was hot. Like how hot? Well, really, <laughs> stupid hot. hot. Stupid hot. <laughs> you can say hell hot. It was hell hot. We'll say Biden's got to edit this out. <laughs> hell hot. Hell hot. It was really hot. Well, it was one. Gosh, it was one eighteen. Probably at, I don't know, like 9 o'clock in the morning. And then when we got off, so I don't know how hot it got, like, during the day. Just crazy hot. It was crazy hot. And then when we, come off, when we came off the lake, it was, like, 118, 119. And then our air conditioner broke on our truck. So <laughs> we had to leave, like, at 5 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, the day that we were going to just hang out. Oh, wait a minute. So, excuse me. So this is the girl that goes running in the sauna suit in the mountains <laughs> that in the That was heat. a long time ago. Well, this was like the sauna car. <laughs> just think the whole I family weight loss. Happened. I was kind of thinking that. Like, hmm, this wouldn't be too horrible. But I don't know if the kids would have like, yeah. lived through that. I don't That's know. True. Crossing the desert. So that's so. what we did. And um, I have to say that my eating was not on track. I'll be honest right now. Oh, I didn't fit to strip. What she's talking about is we over here at Motherhood Talk Radio, including Robin in New Hampshire, there's uh, Rick Swanson, Christy Holly, Sandra Beck, and Robin Boyd that are all participating in the Fit to Strip Challenge. And Rona Brennan, who's a local nutritionist, chiropractor, like guru of health, would be horrified if she looked around right now because Christy has a Diet Coke. So does Rick. I don't care that you're not on the air today, Rick. I can see you drinking that Diet Coke. You have a big old cup over there yourself, girl. Well, I never said I was going to go cold turkey. I know. I know. I cut back a lot on those, though. I was drinking Diet Dr. Pepper. No. Um, so anyways, no, I, I didn't do as good as I, I wanted to, but we did spend a lot of time in the water you know, kicking around and walking from casino to casino with some exercise. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, but it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think, did you think that going away, like, did you make choices, any choices that you wouldn't have made if you weren't part of the Fit to Strip Challenge? Not that we adhered to everything, because I know I had a birthday party for my, 
Sun Max this weekend, and it was 107, and we had 70 people show. Yikes. And, um, yeah, there was lots of food. The good thing was all the food was eaten, but I actually did make some different choices where I normally would have mowed through a couple pieces of pizza, you know, had some birthday cake. I actually just peeled off a pepperoni and ate a little bit of cheese and then, you know, had a couple bites of birthday cake as opposed to eating the whole cake. That's and um yeah, so I was really proud of myself and and um I didn't I didn't buy a lot of the usual junk that I bought. I mean, I bought some chips and I bought some candy, you know, for the party because it is a kids party, right. and, you know. <laughs> they shouldn't be punished cuz I'm fat, but <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I made some different changes and the other thing that I did this week is um well, Rick and I we went to Taco Bell and we did eat. We did eat those the fresco things which only had 150 calories, and they didn't have, like, the loaded sour cream, like, all that stuff. I mean, we we actually, I mean, I didn't. He had already sat down, and I was like, oh, I can't eat all this fatty food in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> so I went right up there in line and ordered, but I did. I made different choices, and um, I did have a hamburger this week, but um, on two days I chose to eat, like, like regular food, like, not go to Burger King or not go to Jack in the Box. And sorry, my friends at Jack in the Box. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I went, I actually ate out of the fridge. And I bought fruit and vegetables. And, and despite my protest last week of eating healthy and getting a headache, I did feel better. Good. That's really good. You know, so that was a step forward. I mean, and I did lose two pounds. That's awesome. Yeah. So, oh, Rona, how are you doing, honey? Are you here? Is Rona online? Rona. Rona. She's probably mad at us because of the Diet Coke. I don't know. I'm here. Asking. Oh, <laughs> I fell on the floor. I'm picking myself up after hearing all that. No. Oh, you fell on the floor. Why? Because we did not eat crap this no, week? After Christmas trip. That's the job standard saying you feel better after. That's good. It, it did. I mean, it did make a difference, especially because it was so hot and... And I've made a conscious effort. I haven't been really good on making the shakes in the morning, um, but I will grab a piece of fruit, whereas normally I didn't eat at all. And um, I am finding that I'm not as strung out crazy if I eat. Um, I'm still not doing good, I'll be honest. I, I skipped a bunch of meals last week, but I probably skipped like a third less than I usually do. And then I made better choices. Like even today I had, you know, fruit there's vegetables in my house, and I, I came up with my new solution um, to, like, the last time of chopping and slicing and dicing everything, which is so not going to happen. When I was in Sam's, I bought myself a party vegetable platter, and it was so fun because, you know, like a party. It was. It was like a little party in my tummy, you know, because I didn't have to cut everything up, and it did feel rather festive. And honestly, the 6 or $7 that I spent buying all the cut-up vegetables versus the $4 it would have cost me, because I was kind of costing it out, going, you know, the, that party platter was like six ninety nine, and to buy the stuff individually was going to be like $2. But the $4 I was going to save really made up for me not – not having to do it or just throwing it out because I never cleaned the cherry tomatoes or I never, you know, cut up the celery and the broccoli. It was all right there for me. That's yeah, and your kids watch that, you know, and so you're modeling great behavior. That's what they're going to, you know, they see everything you put in your mouth. That's yeah, great. it's true. It's true because I have a three-year-old Diet Coke junkie who runs around the house screaming for soda. And um, I know he does that because I have soda 
<laughs> he does. He does. But it's true. They do model. Um, but, Rona, I want to thank you because even though we haven't been, at least I haven't been really stellar in signing up for the program, I every single day I've thought of you and going, okay, what choices am I making? I really think I'm making mindful choices. doesn't mean I always listen to my own mind, but I'm aware, I'm aware of it at least. I've been doing the same thing. I mean, I've not been perfect, but I've been like, oh, you know, chips or no chips. You know, and, and really thinking about what those things are going to do inside my body versus, you know, what they're going to do the outside of my body. You know, you know, the taste, I know what they taste like. I know if I don't have them, I'm not going to die. I mean, I'm alive. And, and I just, I, I chose I, this weekend not to have, I mean, I had a few, but not to have like a crazy amount of them and not to just sit there with a bag of them and, you know, plow through it. So, I feel good about that. That's great. <laughs> I mean, well, Rona, Robin in New Hampshire uh, has texted in that she is eating broccoli and chicken for supper in New Hampshire. Good girl. Good job. So you are making a difference, at least for the four of us. And, um, you know, I know that normally um, Rick would not be eating his little fresh tacos, but he was sitting there eating his fresh tacos, so... We're going to speak on behalf of the mute one. <laughs> He's got so, a job to do. How's Rick doing with those energy drinks, by the way? Oh, say, hey, Rick, how are you doing with those energy drinks? Uh-oh. He's, he says he's only had one this week. It's Tuesday. Last <laughs> <week>. <laughs> <laughs> no, but usually you come in, you you know, in in, in days past, I have in one day. I saw you come in with a nitro. You were so tired. But I have to tell you, there was a nitro. How long did that nitro sit in my fridge? Maybe three days? Three days untouched. I was like a lonely, ugly prom girl <laughs> sitting in the... <laughs> Aww. Yeah. No, but I mean, I think we're all... We're trying, at least. Absolutely. And I logged on to the eFitness tracker. Is that what it is, Rona? Yeah. So what do you think of it so far? I think it's going to be great. I scheduled myself to start, like, my actual workout um, for tomorrow because I wanted to, like, go through the website and make sure I have everything. So that's what I scheduled it when I scheduled it to start. So I'm excited about that, and I can't wait to, like, start entering all my all my stuff in there. Yeah, it's kind of Me a too. Cool. Plus, we've got the videos, you know, if you forget how to do something. But it's a good, it's a, it's a reminder, you know, how to do something, when you're going to do, what days, you know, which days do which. And well, and I love how it sends you automatic little emails. Like I am, a, I am like a, I am, I don't even know what I am. Maybe like, you know, like a pill bug sitting in my office. I curl up in a little ball in my, my chair while I do my computer work, and I get this email popped in. Have you gotten the emails? The one that said sit up straight. Like you sit up straight and you like work your abs or something, and I mean, but it was like it was like having my mother in the office. <laughs> There's a little camera, but no, it big no. brother, big brother is watching you. You know, but it's true. It's like I noticed that you know, and Mitra, my girlfriend, had always said that like stand up, tuck your tummy in, you know, and you'll work out. Like when you're shopping, like make a conscious effort of that. And I didn't even think about doing that, and I sit at a computer all day. And um, so I thought that was really handy, and I love that it came to me right in the email without me having to ask. Yeah, that's what the, it's a great tool. Now, if anybody out there wanted to sign up for this, um, Rona, how would they sign up? Um, they can go to um, I don't know, it's a kind of a long 
the website. It's that you have to do that HTTP, you know, semicolon, slash, slash. And you know then, what, let's send everybody to Motherhood Talk Radio. Just go to Motherhood Talk Radio. We'll have it up for you guys with a link ready to go. And um, that way we can get people directly over to signing up for the fitness tracker because it is really cool. Well, you guys, we are ready to go on break. Rona, I want to thank you for being again there with us in our Fit to Strip Challenge this week. We yeah. have coming up in the next segment, Dixie Fremont Smith-Coxie. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. She wrote the book Unthinkable. It's going to be a great segment coming up. Please come back after the break, and we will answer the question, what if the unthinkable happened? Here's your show, Motherhood Talk Radio, giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. This is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Toginet, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriend at principal was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com and then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. What's your story? Are you living it? Well, you could be. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Her passion is helping others discover, create, and live their personal brands. Yep, you heard me. You have a brand. No different than Coke, Pepsi, or Nike. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing brand. You're not a logo. You're not a tagline. The choices you make become the path you take. This is your brand. Now, live your story. Your brand is not just what you say it is. It's also what others say it is. So what are you communicating? And how can you create an authentic brand? We'll take on these challenges with What's Your Story? Every week, Hillary will feature teens, moms, and organizations that are learning and living their story. Now, her passion is to help others discover, create, and live their personal brands. To find out more, go to inspiredbyfamily.com. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues. For more information, check out the website, motherhoodtalkradio.com. Now, let's get back to the show with your hosts, Sandra Back and Christy Holly. Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and we are here today, and we just wrapped up a segment for the Fit to Strip Challenge. Those of you who don't know what that is, the um, two hosts on Motherhood Talk Radio, Christy Holly and Sandra Beck, along with segment producer Rick Swanson and marketing manager Robin Boyd, 
have challenged each other to get fit to strip down in a bathing suit. And if we ever get Ugh, to that point. scary. <laughs> I was already in a bathing suit. It was bad. Rick Swanson wants to know what kind of bathing suit. I think that would be up to the host, don't you, Christy? Uh, yes. Speedo? Think in Speedo. Uh, I don't think I want to see anybody in a Speedo. <laughs> yeah. That's just bad. That is bad. <laughs> yeah, my eyes! My eyes! My eyes! <laughs> Oh, well, you know what? We have a great guest today, Christy. She is the author of this book, Unthinkable, which is a very powerful book. It's um, A Mother's Tragedy, Terror, and Triumph uh, Through a Child's Traumatic Brain Injury. And um, this is The Caregiver's Companion. And our guest today is Dixie Fremont Smith-Koski. I didn't blow it this time. Thank you. Kind of a mouthful, but um, those of you who want to check her out, go to her website, www.dixiekoski.com. That would be D-I-X-I-E-C-O-S-K-I-E.com. Now, Christy, we were talking a little bit about this book, and um, it's it's a very, it's a great read, but it's a, it's really well written, i got to say. It's beautifully mm-hmm. written, but it is. it's a tough read. It is a hard read. You know, being a mother of three and... You know, I didn't get through the whole book yet. I can't wait to finish it. I feel, you know, I can feel like I was trying to explain to you that I can't understand, I can't identify with her exactly. You know, I can't feel what she's feeling, but the way that she wrote it, I feel like I am with her. Absolutely. But I, you know, I don't claim to understand what she's going through or gone through or what she's going to go through, but I do feel like so much compassion for her and her family. It's it's an amazing book so far, you know, and I haven't even finished it yet. Well, and I agree. It's like, you know, because it's so shocking and it's so, there's so much despair and there's so much, um, you know, there's so much going on. If you haven't experienced it, it's really hard as a mom. It's very painful. It's very painful for me to put myself in those shoes and think about this being my own child. It really is. I mean, I can't even imagine it being me. I mean, because yeah. I'm, I was bawling reading just the first couple chapters of it. And, you know, I just, I always wondered what people were going through. Mm-hmm. And this, this is like, tells you right here exactly what the people go through when something like this happens, you know? Well, and the fact that it's put through, like, in diary entries, it's like we, um, we're we going to um, go along with her as she goes on her journey. And I would think, and, I mean, again, this is we just guess about this because we've never experienced this, but that to have this companion guide, if somebody's going through this situation, you know, to not feel so alone, and maybe that's why she called it the caregiver's companion, um, we well, I like her. there's all the tips. That there's lots of tips in there about, like, when you're in the IC, ICU, what questions to ask, you know, you know, what, you know, when you're talking to the doctors, what to ask them. You know, there's a whole bunch of information in there um, that you wouldn't normally even think about asking, and she's, she's got it all written down there for us. Well, and I loved also the way she put it down, um, like about the, you know, be patient and pray if praying is a part of your belief system. So I just thought she was very sensitive to all the different types of readers that might be reading this that, um, you know, I just think it's such a well-written book and it's, it's so interesting. And now that we've had this big lead up, why don't we tell everybody what it's about? Dixie? Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for uh, having me here, Sandra and Christy and Rick. And Carrie, you're there too, right? 
Um, what the book is about is it's the unthinkable. It's like you guys said, uh, you can't imagine having going through um, your child having a traumatic brain injury. Um, and you're totally unprepared to, um, for the circumstances. And I actually wrote the book to help another parent or caregiver who suddenly finds themselves in this catastrophic situation. Um, I actually began writing the book um, about three days after my son was hit by a car. Uh, he was riding his bike, and he did not and have a helmet. And how old was he at the time? He was 13. He was riding his bike without a helmet, and uh, he was involved in a crash with a car. And I got the devastating phone call that changed his life in an instant, that um, he was unconscious and needed to be uh, life-flighted to a trauma center in, in Worcester, Massachusetts, U.S. Medical Center. And like you say, you cannot comprehend it. It's unthinkable. And what I'm trying to do with this book is to give you an insight into what it's like um, to be living through uh, the unthinkable. Um, he was in a coma. My son, Paul, was 13 at the time. He was in a coma for two months. And then um, he woke up uh, briefly and was transported to uh, Franciscan's Children's Hospital in Boston. It's a rehab hospital for children. And uh, their goal is to, you know, give back uh, as much possible uh, rehab to a child in this condition to, you know, have a functioning life if possible. There, um, we were told that Paul was going to possibly be a vegetable. He wouldn't be able to see, um, walk, hear, ta uh, talk. You know, the basics of his injury, you know, had taken, you know, everything away from him. And uh, we needed to you know, help him to get better. Uh, the doctors told us if Paulo did awake from his coma, um, he most likely, you know, would have these impairments and, and uh, handicaps or disabilities, but he also would have amnesia if he had, the, you know, if he was able to process and think. So I thought, okay, I, I need some hope here. I need him, uh, you know, to get better. And if he is going to get better, I want him to know what he did to get better. So I started jotting down a journal and telling him every day, you know, what happened, what he did, what the doctors were doing, what medications he was on. Um, so that was how I was able to go back a year later and read my journal, and, and I said to myself, wow, this could really help somebody else if I could write something, um, you know, comprehensible to, to get out there to, for, for other people that might find themselves in the situation. And I said, I'm going to write a book. I can't imagine, I'm just going to step in here because Christy and I, we can't look at each other because we're going to start to cry, but I can't imagine in this scenario going, well, I'm going to write a book to help people when there's so much going on. Well, there was so much going on because um, I'm not only the mother of a child who suffered a traumatic brain injury, I'm the mother of eight children. So there's a lot going on in my house. And um, I, I may have decided to write the book in retrospect, to help somebody else, but it also helped me uh, to heal. I was able to write things down on a page, work through it myself emotionally, and then put it aside, and then move on, you know, to the next chapters of, you know, of, his, of the healing process. As he was healing, you know, I was healing. So um, maybe it was twofold. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's unthinkable. I mean, it's unthinkable. It's unimaginable. I can't imagine what what you were going through, and you know. And I'm so thankful for any any mother listening today that has, you know, has a situation like this that she can turn to your book to look for guidance. And one of the things that I really loved about it too is there's so much. There's things in here that you you teach us. You know, it's not just a diary of what was going on. It's like you teach us about the fragility and meaning of life. You you teach us about accepting life's obstacles and adjusting to situations. I mean, this is a teaching guide as well as um, just a companion to to what was going on in your life. Well, when I was in this situation, I was grasping, as every parent will, um, for resources to help them to cope and educate themselves and to get through the situation. And I didn't find a lot of resources. So this is why I really wanted to get something out there that would, that would help people. Um, and I just want to say, you know, the Center for Disease Control has labeled traumatic brain injury a silent epidemic um, because only one in three Americans are aware of the term brain injury. Until it happens to you, you're not really thinking about it. Well, and I think you're going to see that, um, you know, I have a sister show, um, Military Mom Talk Radio, and yesterday we did an episode on Freedom Dogs, which is uh, an organization that um, we promote here on Motherhood Talk Radio um, that deals a lot with TBIs, and TBIs meaning traumatic brain injury. And they, the specialist that we had on, she was a nurse specialist that as one of the directors over at Freedom Dogs, and she said 40% of all of our service people coming back will have, you know, PTSD, and I think she said something like 20% will have TBIs that um, it's going to be, an, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a word that we're going to hear a lot about. Whether and people it's aren't talking with, about it, and that's the sad part. So we need to get a education and communication going and, and start helping people with traumatic brain injury. My son actually um, had a, an amazing, unthinkable recovery. Um, there are still... Um, other children, you know, that, that, that didn't fare so well. And these are the people we've got to really advocate for also. And, you know, Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. our servicemen and women coming back from, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan. We, you know, we've got to help these people. Once they're back, they're out there fighting for us, our freedoms, and we come, they come back and they're disabled. So there Absolutely. has to be an awareness out there and, and resources to help. Well, we are here today. This is Motherhood Talk Radio. We have a sober topic today, but one that is full of hope and one that is full of care. And um, we have uh, Dixie Fremont Smith-Kosky today. She's written the book Unthinkable, which is a mother's tragedy, terror, and triumph through a child's traumatic brain injury. This is the caregiver's companion. Um, asked you guys to check it out. You can pick it up. Where can you buy your book, Dixie? Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com, or go to my website, www.dixiekoski.com. Well, my name is Sandra Beck. I'm the host of Motherhood Talk Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Christy Holly. Yeah. <laughs> I am here. <laughs> it's such a tough topic to handle on the radio. Yeah. It's a very, very difficult topic, but I encourage you guys to come back after the break. We're going to talk about gratitude. We're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about some of the lessons that Dixie learned from this experience, and we'll catch you after the break. Why do people call me this? 
show, Motherhood Talk Radio, giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. This is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after these. No more mommy madness. The Sanity Hour is the antidote. It's the Sanity Hour with Ann Dunnamall. Monday evenings at 6, 7 central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Join Ann as she guides parents through issues that arise from simply living in our current high-energy, high-pressure culture of perfection and achievement. Moms and dads are bombarded daily. Sign up for this, buy that, enrich your child's life, enhance your child's development, worry about this danger, provide this experience. Ann Dunnamall, Ph.D., is here to help. She's a licensed psychologist in independent practice in Dallas, specializing in women's mental health issues. And her mission here is to help women sort out the guilt and anxiety of the unrealistic demands of motherhood on a daily basis. For more information on her and her books, go to AnnDunnewald.com. That's A-N-N-D-U-N-N-E-W-O-L-D.com. Arming women against the pressures of modern motherhood. Here to give moms balance and expectations. Cutting themselves some slack. It's the Sanity Hour with Ann Dunnewald. Monday evenings at 6, 7 central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Let's chat it up with Bloom Talk with Barb Skylar on Toginet. Thursday afternoons at 3 Eastern, 2 Central. And find out how women are growing, blossoming, and blooming in their friendships and careers, health, and so much more. It's Bloom Talk with Barb Scala. Check out our website, bloomwithbarb.com. Whether you want to transplant your life or just do a little pruning, Bloom Talk will inspire you to cultivate the lifestyle you want to live. Join lifestyle coach and co-author of Sanity Savers, Barb Scala, each week on Bloom Talk and sprout your dreams. Grow your life. I hear a lot from women. I want meaning in my life. I want a fulfilling life. I want to do something that's exciting. and I can control my life instead of my life controlling me. I can tell the world this is who I am and, and this is what I'm all about. Barb will introduce you to dynamic guests and real women who are redesigning, re building and reinventing their own lives and bloomstorm how you can dream create and grow the lifestyle you want to live it's bloom talk with barb scala thursday afternoons at three eastern two central on toginet.com welcome back to motherhood talk radio the most powerful voice in women's issues for more information check out the website motherhoodtalkradio.com now let's get back to the show with your hosts sandra back and christy holly Mamas, we're here on Motherhood Talk Radio, and I'm Sandra Beck, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Christy Holly. Hey there. Okay, we've gotten hey. ourselves together. Yes, 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 we're back. During the break, we, are, um, we have the uh, author of Unthinkable, Dixie Fremont Smith-Kosky, and she's amazing. She's, um, she actually wrote a book that chronicled um, her story um, after her son had been uh, in an accident on his bike, he was 13, uh, and he went up against an SUV. And uh, Nixie, or Dixie narrates a lot of the different things that happened to her. But what most powerful thing that comes out of here is like the message of hope, the message of gratitude, all the things that Dixie has learned that she can share with us. Um, is, I think, what I'd like to talk about in this segment, Christy. And it actually made me think of you this week, because Christy sent me the funniest picture. (laughs) (laughs) She sent me a picture from her phone to my phone, and it was like, it was a black table? Yes. And what was written in the dust? Well, my daughter, I think it was her, she drew like this SpongeBob character in the dust, you know, it's got some detail on it, and it was just sitting there. Well, it was in the bathroom. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, and I sent a picture of it, of it to Sandra and I said, what did what, I write? Do you think I need to do dust? Do you think I need to dust? I know. <laughs> nice message. Nice message. But, but you know, it's funny because I thought of that. We were talking to Dixie on the break about some of the things she's learned um, from this experience. And um, you had mentioned housework. Uh, like she's like, oh, if you had seen my house. And, you know, as moms, you know, we're all taught keep a tidy home, you know, raise your children, do all this stuff. And, of course, we all fail miserably. At least most of us do. A lot of us. Most of the time. I know I do. I do, too. Um, but, uh, Dixie, what are some of the things that you've – you've learned um, from your experience uh, with with all of this, your experience with the unthinkable. Well, like you're saying with the, uh, you know, is your house clean and, you know, your appearances, I mean, obviously you always, you know, you want to look good, but um, little stuff doesn't really matter after you've dealt with a catastrophic situation like this. Uh, you really come to appreciate the little things like sunset, you know, even the grass blowing in the wind. I mean, just getting up in the morning not taking the day for granted, not taking the people that are in your life for granted, just appreciating, uh, you know, little things, you know, a hug, um, spending time with your family. Um, the only thing that we have power over in this life is how we react to any given situation. And, you know, there, there's going to be everybody in life will have grief or sadness or, or death, you know, come into their life. And it's how you react to it is, you know, Gives you power. Um, you know, we could have. And I think up. most of us don't even realize we have a choice in reacting. I know in some of the studying and work that I've done, I never realized I had a choice in my feelings. I just thought, well, my feelings are my feelings. But in reality, we do have a choice, not how to feel, but how to react and respond to those feelings. Well, the only because person thinking like, in your head is yourself. So you can, you know, if you don't like something, what's the old saying? If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it, you know? So the way we thought, um, my husband and I, who's an amazing guy, and I couldn't have made it through this, you know, catastrophe without him, uh, we really supported each other a lot and uplifted each other. And we tag-teamed each other. You know, one was always at the hospital with Paul, one was at home with the other children. Um, But the way we we looked at it was to um, have hope. And we weren't going to listen to the doctors and say, you know, you know, possibly he'll be a vegetable. We'll say, well, no, he won't. He's going to walk, you know. And we never gave up on each other, you know, on ourselves, God, doctors. I mean, we just kept plowing through it. And, and yeah, you have the choice to roll over and, and you know, lay in bed or, or get depressed. Um, we really couldn't do that. We had too many other kids that needed our, our help and support. Uh, Paul needed to get better. And we were the only ones that were going to be able to do it for him. Um, you know, the therapists were phenomenal um, in retrospect, but we're the ones that bring Paul home and, and deal with, you know, the repercussions on a daily basis. And caregiving is exhausting. And eventually it will take a toll if you don't take care of yourself. And if I can say anything to anybody out there that, that's a caregiver is, you know, Educate yourself on the, on the illness or injury. Um, ask for help. Ask for help. It's not a weakness to ask for help. It's a strength, and it's only going to help you and, and help your other loved ones uh, better if, if, if you're taking care of yourself. 
Well, and Dixie, let me ask you a question. I was reading a book um, this weekend about, um, it was about the um, a woman who had escaped from a polygamous marriage in Utah and all this stuff. And, you know, she had said a very powerful line in there that she found that the only way that she felt to deal with fear is to push through it. And I can only imagine in this situation that there was many fears going through your mind, you know, the fear of what if he died, what if he didn't, what if he didn't do this, you know, how did you deal with the fear? Um, the fear, I don't know how you deal with it. It's, it's your whole body. Um, it's a physical thing. It's an emotional, it's a mental, it's everything. Um, you, you've got to, I don't know, you just work through it. You, you pray, you have hope, you, you surround yourself by positive people. Um, I can't say the fear goes away. It's still always there, but you, you try to think of other things, you know, not always dwell on the negative, I should say. So is that, is that something like, what have you taught your children um, as a result of this experience? You know, what, what do you teach them on how to get through any crisis situation? Well, that's one thing in my book, Unthinkable, that um, there's a chapter in it. It's called A Child's World. And I really like this chapter. It's my favorite chapter of all. It's at the end, and it's actually each of my children um, write their own story and how they had prevailed through this um, catastrophic experience in their own words and how they prevailed and what they learned. Um, and that's because, towards the end of the book. That's at the end, towards the end of the book. Because I could have written a book about each one of my children and how they reacted to the situation. They were all at different ages at the time. And now how many children did you, do you have? I have eight children. You have eight children. And at the time, the oldest was 16. Um, and they were amazing. They were a great support. Um, they, they helped out. They all came together. And, and we all pulled together. But... Um, they were all at different ages, and, and, and as parents, sometimes the siblings get left out during the catastrophic situation because you're so focused in dealing on the injured patient. And you've really got to take a step back at some point when you're able and give attention to the, to the other kids and find out their needs at, at their age levels. I mean, I was dealing with you know, a 16-year-old and a 7-year-old and a 6-year-old and a you know, 12-year-old, and, and how they perceive the injury is, is very different you know, for their, for their age group. But I do love the chapter in the book about that because it's their words. And each one of them could have written a different book, you know, about the experience. This book actually is just my perception. And you get to really get the feel of, of, of a mother's uh, reaction to, to the unthinkable. So now I know, like, people who are, you know, thinking of buying your book and, you know... Um, not to give away anything, but I think we need to address, how is Paul doing now? Um, Paul is doing remarkably well. Um, he needed to uh, relearn how to talk, walk uh, cognitively. He needed to start off from uh, square one, his ABCs, one plus one is one, two plus two is two. Um, he was one of the lucky ones, and he got an amazing uh, rehab at Franciscan's Children's Hospital, and the, our community came together. They really helped us, and uh, Paul was able to go back to our public school system where they set up a special head injury program for him. And uh, wow. he started off school 
uh, in a wheelchair, and then he graduated to a walker. And then um, by uh, his senior year, he was able to walk to the podium to receive his oh. high school diploma. Um, that he's, is so amazing. It's, it's a miracle. I mean, it's really amazing considering, you know, he was going to be dead. That He was given last rites in the emergency room. They didn't expect wow. him to live. And then if he did live, he was going to, you know, basically be a, you know, quote, vegetable. So it's amazing to see his smile and his perseverance and his uh, determination. Uh, his, his attitude is just remarkable. And he now gives back to... Um, to other people, he does a lot of speaking engagements, uh, giving awareness to helmet safety and bicycle safety awareness. We do a lot of charity work um, with organizations such as uh, the Brain Injury Association, uh, Mothers Against uh, Head Injuries, Easter Seals, Andrew's Helpful Hands, Lyrics for Life. Um, we just go out and we try to educate people on traumatic brain injury, helmet awareness, um, we also, unfortunately, help to educate people on cancer. As uh, four years after Paul's uh, traumatic brain injury, he was diagnosed with leukemia. That's cancer, girls. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah, so, we know a little bit about cancer over here, that's for sure. Yeah, um, so that's, that's a whole other uh, book, and I'll have to write a whole other book of, of that uh, episode. Um, we're still dealing with the cancer side of things at the moment, but he is—he um, did end up going through a bone marrow transplant, which was more years of uh, isolation and and pain and uncertainty and whether he was going to live or die, um, and more caregiving and caregiving. More caregiving. Uh, well, we are here today at Motherhood Talk Radio. We have as our guest Christy Holly and uh, I'm Sandra Beck. We have Dixie Fremont Smith Kosky. I would encourage um, everybody listening to the show today to head to Amazon and pick up the book Unthinkable. It's an amazing book, and I think one of the, the best lines that I took away from looking at the book was one where you talked about at one point, and then we're going to need to go to break, um, is where Paul, where most kids were worried about a, a bad hair day. Paul was learning to, you know, just to comb his hair, and it really, you know, put some things into perspective of how much you needed to do as his mother with, you know, a total of eight children, and um, check out Unthinkable. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to DixieKoski.com, D-I-X-I-E-C-O-S-K-I-E. My name is Sandra Beck. We're here at Motherhood Talk Radio, and we're going to go to break. show motherhood talk radio giving you interesting inspiring and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation this is motherhood talk radio and we'll be right back after these combine snide and remark and you've got snark combine lisa manna and valia alvarez on monday nights and you've got deep dish snark monday nights at nine eight central part of the her insight network when you've had enough at work or at home 
and you're ready to laugh, join Lisa and Value for their no BS look at the world and the people in it. They'll be serving up a no-holds-barred take on pop culture, current events, entertainment, and family matters with segments like Accidentally Helpful, TV is Now My Hobby, and Who Sucks This Week? Deep Dish Snark delivers something for every girl who enjoys life with a dash of sarcasm. Lisa Manna is a former TV news anchor turned stay-at-home mom. She's making sure if anyone screws up her kids, it's her. Valia Alvarez suffers life as a jack-of-all-trades, mistress of none, by juggling a PR career, marriage, motherhood, and more. Don't miss Deep Dish Snark with Lisa Manna and Valia Alvarez. Monday nights at 9, 8 Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Mom with Jill Hickey, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues. For more information, check out the website, motherhoodtalkradio.com. Now, let's get back to the show with your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Sandra Beck, and I'm here at Motherhood Talk Radio, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, That's right. Christy Holly. We're having a yes. fight during the, <laughs> a girl fight during the segment uh, break, but um, we're, we're okay now. It's really, but this is a tough topic to cover on motherhood, i got to tell you. Yeah, but it is part of, part of, you know, motherhood. It is part of motherhood. Part it's of, having those conversations with your kids that... You know, I mean, I've had a couple with my kids about, you know, grandma's cancer, about, you know, dad moving out, and, um, you know, it's they're tough conversations to have, and we, we ideally want to shield our kids as much as we can from the harsh realities of life, but it's impossible to completely shield your, your kids from emotional suffering, and especially in the case of, of Dixie, where you had... You know, Paul clearly was pulled out of the family dynamic. He's in the hospital. He's in rehab. There's all these things going around. His parents aren't there. And his parents aren't there. Yeah, the kids' parents aren't there. You know, at the same time, like it used to be. Right, everything I mean, changes. Yeah. And, Dixie, how do you manage that? How do you keep your family going? You know, what kind of advice can you give our moms out there who could be suffering anything from a grandpa dying, you know, or a grandma dying, or a child being sick in the family? Um, you know, there's a lot that goes on. Um, I remember when my oldest brother was sick, uh, he had some terrible forms of cancer, and um, and it did change our whole family dynamic. And, um, you know, to have a sibling that's sick is, it's, difficult on the kids because you don't understand. And I can only imagine if I put myself in my parents' shoes going, well, what do we tell? How do you you know what to tell everybody, Dixie? What did you do? Well, the thing is a traumatic uh, injury or illness 
does change every member of a family. And, um, you know, it's almost like the injury, you know, happens to them. And it's scary for, for kids. It's just really scary. And communication, I think, for some kids, some kids might um, act out or some kids might become quieter. Uh, some kids uh, might start, uh, you know, getting into things they shouldn't be getting into, um, you know, the negative. Um, I think a good way to communicate is, you know, find out, you know, how old the child is and, you know, what level of understanding they're at. But, uh, you know, just take time to talk to them. Keep a line of communication open. I found that one of my daughters, we, we couldn't talk about it at all because we'd both just start uh, weeping and, and crying. So one, one aspect, one way that we, Avenue, we tried was writing. Um, and that really seemed to help because you couldn't interrupt the person or the tears. You could cry in private and write, write your thoughts down. I think keeping a journal is, is very healing and very helpful. I mean, obviously it was for me. My journal was unthinkable, you know, which turned into my book. Um, and it was very healing for me. So I think for the kids, too, to be able to just write their feelings down and then write questions down that they might have in the middle of the night when they wake up with a panic attack. You know, write a question down that, that, that's bothering them or write down what's bothering them so that they can share it with me, you know, at a later time when they're not so emotional. Well, and I think, too, that emotion takes a long time to go away. I remember, you know, when my brother was was sick and, you know, they didn't expect him to live and, you know, it, it changed the whole family dynamic. It was years before I could look at those St. Jude commercials, you know, where they had the kids mm-hmm. for St. Jude's yeah. and they would show the kids with the bald heads. And, I mean, I would, like, and it was awful. My sister and I, we would run out of the room. We would start to cry. I mean, and it was years, even after he got better. I mean, the emotion doesn't just evaporate because the situation ends. Correct. It, grief is a, a strange thing as people who have gone through it know. I mean, it comes in waves, and it, it never really goes away. There's something in my book I write in one of the bullet points, too, that, um, you know, even today, it's been almost uh, 10 years, 9 years since Paul's accident, uh, an ambulance can drive by, and I, my heart starts pounding, and I start shaking, and the tears start flowing. Ten years later, I still relive it or go back and have the flashbacks. Grief is all-consuming at times, goes away and comes back. It is, it does. It's, there's waves of it. And, and I think, you know, I thank you for coming on today and sharing, you know, some of this stuff because I think there is a public perception that, oh, you know, that was ten years ago or that was five years ago and, you know, you should be over it. And, and I can't speak because I don't know what it's like to feel like a dad. I don't know what it's like to feel like for a man. I know what it's like to feel like a woman and a mom. And, you know, that stuff doesn't go away. I mean, it becomes manageable, I think, but... You know, it's really important, I think, for anybody listening today that has that situation to honor those feelings and respect that just because public pressure says, oh, yeah, well, you should be over this because of some time frame, that those feelings don't just magically go away because, because times or things have changed. Well, and one of the bullet points I have in my book, too, is it says, you know, it's impossible to completely shield your other children from emotional suffering and not to feel guilty because it's life. Life happens. Well, and I love, you know, there's some things that you put in your book. Tips that are uh, in your book are so powerful because they're really great life tips for anyone. And, um, you know, one of the things that you put in that um, 
that, you know, when you're able to spend that little bit of time, and you put just 15 minutes a day alone with each child, and I know for today there's multiple, you know, you had eight children. I don't know how you could possibly, you know, do that every day, but but that connection, that one-on-one connection that you have, I guess what, what struck me about your book, Dixie, is how fragile life is and how quickly what we have can be taken away. Yeah, so true. True. You know, and I think as moms, a lot of times we think of benchmark milestones. We think of, oh, he's going to diaper train. He's going to walk. He's going to, you know, do this. They're going to graduate from high school. They're going to graduate from college. It's her first prom. And there's all these hopes and things for the future. And, you know, one of the things that came out loud and clear in your book, um, from especially from your tips, is to live in the moment and to enjoy the moment. I agree. I agree. And also one of the things also, too, for uh, people, you know, that are dealing with a traumatic brain injured child is that you, you grieve the loss of what it could have been, you know, what you just said. But um, eventually, you know, it's just the unconditional love that comes through uh, that's going to get you through. Well, and I think your message of hope, you know, it's like for anybody going through any adjustment, whether it's an adjustment because of an illness, a, you know, we have divorces rampant in our country, um, we've got kids who have injury and illness, we have parents, you know, with so many families of soldiers and Marines coming back, you know, with illness and injury, one of the things that you said in there was like, you know, don't give up, it's all trial and error. You know, there's no real manual on how to get through this stuff. I think yours is one of the closest um, that I've seen, whether your child has an illness or a brain injury, I think it works for a lot of things. Um, this caregiver's companion can work for a lot of things. Any parent that is struggling with an illness or injury with a child, I think, you know, I, I know you specialize in traumatic brain injury, but this stuff really applies to anybody. I agree. And um, what I did is I wanted to make it not just our, you know, our journey, our harrowing story, but to make it different by uh, giving it the companion for caregivers, giving the tips at the end of each chapter that will help somebody uh, move forward with the journey, giving them more hope. Well, and I think of we had a, we had Robin on. Uh, Robin is our marketing manager, and Robin was talking about caring her for her mother who had a you know her elderly mother in the house and. She talked about the caregiving and, and how exhausting it can be, and she echoed the same sentiment that it's really hard to think of your own needs and what you need to do, but you need to stay strong as the mother to care for all of your children in this situation. Caregiving is definitely a matter of balance, and um, seek out support groups, uh, understand your emotional and physical limits, um, because if you're taking care of yourself, you're really taking care of others because what happened to me is once Paul ended up going back to school, my body collapsed and I got really sick and um, I couldn't take care of anybody. And then, uh, you know, I had more guilt and, and I was just, you know, oh my gosh. So with Paul's second illness, uh, when the cancer hit, I really, um, really made a point to, you know, take care of myself, eat right, exercise, do yoga. Uh, meditate and to keep a line of communication going with my husband and my friends and community as to the needs that you know how they could help me and and, and my family survive the unthinkable. Well, and I think you know what what comes across most powerfully about what you're talking about is is 
not feeling selfish or guilty because you need some time, that you need some time to regroup or, you know, when you talk about doing yoga or working out or talking to your friends, you know, when, when our children are sick, it becomes all-consuming, you yeah. know, and what you're telling us is that it can't become all-consuming, that there needs to be that balance as the, as the caregiver for not only your injured child but the healthy children, that you've got to stay strong. You've got to... You've got to take care of yourself so that you can keep going. Definitely. And a lot of times people would ask, oh, what can I do? And I'd say, oh, nothing, it's okay, you know, I can do it. And then I'd walk away and be like, oh, my God, I can't do this. So (laughs) if somebody says this to you, you have to be prepared with a list of things and ways that others can help you. I mean, people can help a little bit with the burden with, you know, child care, the housework, the yard work. Somebody can go and buy groceries, um, you know, maybe, maybe you just need to sit down and talk with a friend. You know, you've got to be able to voice these things because people aren't, aren't mind readers. And usually when a, uh, this happens, people tend to shy away from you because they don't know what to do. So you've got to be able to you know, be a little bit assertive and, and, and ask for the help. Well, and I think people want to help. They may not know what to do. So asking for help, I mean, the worst they can say is no. Right. Right, and, you know, and people want to help. They do, they do. I think by and large people want to help and people want to be part of a recovery and part of making a difference. Don't you think, Christy? I do, I do. I was, I was wondering if myself, if, you know, your friends had, like, some of them stayed away because they didn't know what to do or, you know, if, if they became closer because they were able to help you. I'd have to say both. 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 Um, and then I'm also not able to, you know, extend myself further to other people in ways that I, probably, you know, needed to to keep up friendships either because, you know, it becomes all-consuming with your own family. Um, sure, sure. Well, you guys, we are here today with Dixie Fremont Smith-Kosky. Check out her book, Unthinkable, A Mother's Tragedy, Terror, and Triumph Through a Child's Traumatic Brain Injury. It's a great for anybody who is a caregiver um, and wants to learn great tips, great information. She's an inspirational speaker. She's an advocate for children and the disabled. Check out her book on Amazon.com. It's unthinkable, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for being a part of Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. 